This is a Baby Brunch podcast. I get to meet a lot of moms. Big ones, tall ones, strong ones, emotional ones. Ones just like me who travel between two cities and wants to make ends meet. People think I'm traveling because it's nice. In studio today, I've got a really cool mom. You pregnant? I didn't know. <laughs> I don't announce it to everybody. <laughs> I just literally started telling people that I'm pregnant. The thing is, when I was 20 weeks, I looked pregnant. <laughs> I couldn't really hide it. How far are you? 20 weeks. Really? 20 weeks. Congratulations. Thank you so I'm much. I'm very happy for you. Thank you. You wrote me and your email caught my attention because Baby Brunch and even this podcast, we started for support. And when you said the word preemie, I was like, oh, wait a minute, that's me. I had a prem baby. And it's funny how, like, I'll talk about everything else, but you just mentioned to me off air as well that my story is not easily available. And it's not intentional. It's just because I always think, oh, but my, someone else's baby was more prem than mine. Sure. Because we turned out to be okay. But not everyone's that lucky, right? That's true. That is so true. But your prem journey is still your prem journey. Like you were there, you went through it, you experienced all those emotions, most probably praying that your baby makes it out of the hospital, just like everybody else. So it doesn't matter. Your baby could be born at 36 weeks or whether your baby is born at 25 weeks. It's still a prim and they still may or may not face challenges. Today, I'm chatting to Tasman Boerter. She has preemieconnect.org on Facebook. They are preemieconnect. Tell me about your journey with your baby because you have a nine-year-old. Yes. And did you carry your nine-year-old full term? I carried my nine-year-old till 36 weeks. And funny enough, with both pregnancies, the same thing happened. I had placenta abruption. But the difference between the two is that with my second one, I was involved in a car accident six oh, wow. weeks prior. Oh, and no. I feel that, in fact, the hospital that I was rushed to, we won't mention names, but at that time I was 22 weeks pregnant. And they straight up told me that should something happen, there's nothing that they can do to save my baby at 22 weeks. The viable gestation in South Africa is only 28 weeks. And I don't know, did some miracle happen? My baby managed to hold on for six more weeks before my placenta ruptured and they had to deliver him via emergency C-section. Okay, so backtrack for me. Yeah. First baby at 36 weeks. Are you older? How old are you? No, I'm only 31. Okay. I was actually quite so young, young when I had the first one. Yes. Okay, so first baby came. She's healthy? Boy, yes, healthy, healthy. No complications. In fact, I knew he was early, but I didn't know that he was considered prim because mm -hmm. he was fine. He got discharged. You see, when, when your baby comes at 34, 35 weeks, you know they're early, but you only learn about prim when someone tells you yes. your baby is prim. Tell me about the accident. I didn't know about that. Some guy skipped a stop street, speeding. It had just started raining on Valentine's Day and he knocked into the side of us and pushed us into a brick wall, which we hit face first. And like I was like five streets away from home. And you know, when you're pregnant, you're uncomfortable. At that time of the day, you're like ready to take everything off. I was literally about to unbuckle my seatbelt because I, I was seat. almost at home. And thank God I didn't because that seatbelt saved my life, even though it... There was impact involved, like it cushioned me enough that I didn't get hurt. So, yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> Are you okay? Yes, I'm okay. I'm okay. I was fine. Um, I had no, you know, there were no signs or symptoms that anything was wrong or would be wrong or was p apart from like physical scarring from the seatbelt injury. 
but we were fine. Literally until my placenta ruptured, there was no indication that this pregnancy was going south. Tell me about placenta rupturing. What is that? Literally, it's like your placenta just bursts and you start bleeding uncontrollably in most instances. In my case, by the time I got to hospital, the bleeding had subsided. It was almost finished. So they literally just kept me for observation. And they kept me for a day. And the doctor still came the night and said, you know what, if everything's okay tomorrow, we're discharging you. Mm -mm. And I'm like thinking, awesome. You know, I'm going to relax while I'm up in here. And I promise you, I was woken up by my placenta rupturing the second time. And then they're like, we're taking this baby out. And I'm like, how is that possible? This baby won't survive. So they're like, it's either we take it out and give it a chance to survive or your baby's going to die while it's inside. And I literally just had enough time to phone my husband to say the baby's coming out. And that was it. And they knocked me out. And when I came to, my baby was born. I didn't see him for nine hours after that. But when I did lay eyes on him, no one had prepared me for what a premature baby looks like. Like, it was the scariest thing I have ever seen. And all I was thinking to myself when I laid eyes on him was like, he's too small. He's not going to make it. I better start mentally preparing myself for my child not making it. What day was it? It was on a Monday. What was the date? Um, he was born on the 27th of March, actually the same day as my mom. How much did he weigh? He weighed one kilo at birth. What did he look like? He was literally skin and bones because fat is the last thing that you get in utero. So he was literally skin and bones. What was going through your mind? All that I kept saying to myself is, he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. Don't get too attached. Don't get too attached. Mm -hmm. And it was only when my husband said to me, stop thinking like that. My child is going to be okay. Let's put the negativity aside. That's when I was like, you know what? Okay. And then I started taking it day by day. And I think the day that he came off the vent, which was the life support, was when I was like, okay, he's he's fighting. I need to fight also. The day he was born, you didn't see your baby for nine hours? Yeah. When you saw him the first time, he was in ICU? Yes. What was attached to him? Any kind of machine you can think of, from the BP monitor to the thing that was monitoring his heart. He had a vent in, so he couldn't make a sound. It was, he's like, it was, there was more wires than baby. I mean, the nappy that he had on practically covered his whole body. That's how tiny he was. What did the doctors tell you? I must say, um, the doctor that we had in the beginning, she was very... The way that she explained things was so clear and so precise. And I'll never, ever forget till today. The best advice she gave me was, please do not go on to Google. Mm. And for the first time in my life, I actually listened to somebody and I did not do that. And it helped. I just took things as they came. You know, some days I was literally living minute to minute because my baby struggled so much with oxygen. Like he couldn't breathe on his own for the longest time. Mm -hmm. At one point, my sole job was to sit next to that incubator, watch the monitor and watch his chest because he had what they call apnea of prematurity. So the brain is too underdeveloped to send the signal to you that you need to breathe. Mm -hmm. So they just stop breathing. So I had to watch if the stats start dropping, is the chest moving up and down? Is he really having an apnea? And if it was, so wake him up to remind him that he needs to 
breathe. And that's all I did for 11 to 12 hours a day. I sat and I made sure my child kept breathing. How long were you in ICU with him for? So the hospital that we have were in has an ICU unit, then it has what they call the premature unit, mm. and then it has a kangaroo mother care unit. Right. We spent a total of 54 days in hospital. 39 of those were in ICU. Mm. I look at you and I'm thinking, you're keeping it together so well because my baby spent two weeks in ICU. It was a sunny day like it is today. And I was about to have my nails done because it would be the last time doing my nails before my baby came. I was 34 weeks pregnant and the previous night I had contractions. But because I didn't have contractions with my first baby, I didn't know what it felt like. So they were 10 minutes apart and then it stopped. So I had a good night's rest. And the next day I was sitting, literally, I was about to, to get into the car to go to the salon to have my nails done. And something told me, drive to the hospital. I never understood that whole thing of little voice until that morning. And... By the time I got to the hospital, my gynae happened to have the time to see me because she was in theater. So it was in between her being in theater and coming out with someone else. And she said, well, if your gut's telling you that you need to see me, you need to see me. And I was like, what? <laughs> what does that even yeah. mean? You know? And I was two centimeters dilated. My baby at the time, I don't know how by a miracle, because we're not big, large people, you know? But at 33, 34 weeks, she already weighed 2.6. Wow. So I had a big baby at 34 weeks. And even now she's really large. She's really tall. She's two now. And they had to take her out. I was in labor. She had a cord around her neck. Oh. And I could still deal with that because I remember my gynae said to me, she said to me, it's a cool girl called Paula. She's just stunning. She's a guy in Cape Town. She said to me, your baby's going to be fine. She's going to need some TLC, but she's going to be fine. And I kept remembering that. Here's what didn't prepare me for the notion of prem or preemie. It's exactly what you are doing as a mom who has gone through this journey is that you're showing support to people even though it has happened to you. And I remember after my Caesar, I was pumping for milk. You know, you stimulate the breasts oh. to make milk because now the baby must eat, you know, through a tube. Yep. <laughs> and I remember seeing her for the first time. But before I saw her, I walked in with my gown into ICU. I said to them, who are they vacuuming? And they said to me, just wait here, mommy. It's not your baby. And I knew that they were sucking her chest. I could hear them sucking someone's mucus and the baby was screaming and I knew it was my kid. She was very mucusy, still to this day, very, very mucusy. You know, if there's an allergy, then she gets it first. And I remember even though the doctor's advice was incredible, you know, they take mm -hmm. you through all the stats and what you need to do. When I wished that there was another mom there that could take me through, this is what it means to have a prem baby. I remember how crazy I was. On the fifth day of my cesarean, I drove. Sure. Drove myself to hospital. I said to them, don't mess with me. Stay out of my way. Milk streaming from my breasts. Streaming. Wow. Because you go crazy, you know? Streaming. I was like, nothing is going to stand in my way to go and see my kid. 
I might not be able to feed her, but I'm gonna, I'll express when I get to the yes. hospital because I've got enough. And by the time she started drinking two weeks later, you know, I would, I would sit at that hospital from the morning till the evening. Not a drop to eat. <laughs> Is that an expression? Not a drop <laughs> to eat. <laughs> and I want to tell you that what you're doing is miraculous. Where you find the strength to have had a prim baby, pregnant now, to have started an initiative like this is courageous. Thank you. I, I feel like everything, believe it or not, has, everything Premium Connect has been God-driven. Because in that 54 days, all you have is you, yourself, and God, and the baby. You're sitting there looking through this glass. We had more than enough time. Like, my, my faith grew so much. Mm. Like, I will never, ever, ever doubt God's plan ever again. Because everything that I've done, even to being here today, it was it's all been through him. And I was lucky. We I had a, formed a little unit while we were in hospital. And after we got discharged, we still carried on. I started a little WhatsApp group with us. We were like five ladies. Well done. And it was awesome. Like 2 a.m., we're busy feeding, busy chatting, you know. Oh, and if you had a problem, you had someone there because now we weren't in hospital anymore. There wasn't a doctor right there to answer your questions. But what I realized was as the babies got better and healthier, so the mummies fell to the wayside. And I was still looking for support. Till today, I still have questions that I need answers to every now and then. And when I went looking for support, I couldn't find. There was nothing here in South Africa for support for premature families. And then I was like, you know what? Instead of me looking, why don't I be that support? Because I was lucky. I had my family were amazing. Like if it wasn't for them, I don't know where I would have ended up really. So I realized that the value of support can go a long way. And sometimes it's just a message, just a message to say, hi, mommy, how are you? How's baby doing? Mm -hmm. And it goes a long way. It really, really does. I get the feeling that no matter if it's private care or government, that all we want is support, right? Yes, 100%. You you had your babies in in government hospitals. Yes, I did. And I was in private care and our experience was similar. Yes, where is your baby now? My baby is a happy, healthy, <laughs> thriving two-year-old that can't stop walking and talking. Like to see how far we have come. Mm. Every day I'm in awe. Like just to see him walking because there was a time when I thought my baby was not going to walk. Right. Because statistics say by two years old, preemies catch up. And Mark had turned two years old and he hadn't caught up by then. Mm. And I was like, you know what? These guys do things to their own beat. Mm-hmm. So I will wait. And one day I came home and my kid was walking. At 28 months, my 28-weeker started walking. Wow. I love that. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. Really. In the two years, what else did you have to face? I mean, is, sure. it, is it a case of he leaves? Ho- what did you do when he left hospital? I mean, I must say, um, so... I got to stay in kangaroo mother care with him. It was only for two days, 48 hours. And it was just for him to grow because that's where the babies go to grow. You Mm -hmm. literally do skin to skin, 24 hours round the clock with your baby so that they can grow. And my baby was like 10 grams short of going home. And funny enough, that two days gave me the confidence that I needed to be able to take this little person home and look after them. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. And we came a long way, like the medical conditions that he was diagnosed with in the beginning. Like it felt like every week there was a new 
issue. Like the first week of life, he had a brain bleed. And I remember thinking, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like who can, it's a brain bleed. Who can recover from that? And the way the doctor explained it, she was like on the scale of brain bleeds, your baby has the least severe. That won't affect him in the long run. Is she kidding me? A brain bleed? (laughs) Yep. So then we were like, okay, we got over the brain bleed. And then came, he has a hole on the heart. And when that came, I was like, you know what, God, I can't anymore. Like, how much can one little person take? And even with that, eventually, it was something that corrected on its own. He left hospital with the brain, uh, with the hole, hole in the heart. Mm-hmm. And when we got back for our next checkup, it was gone. The hole had closed. And then he had undescended testes and water. And the only thing we ended up having a surgery for was to get the one testy back into its place. And I was like, you know what? On the list of possible surgeries, thank God it was only that, that one. one. Yeah. And he's fine. You wouldn't even know that he had surgery. Are you scared? Every second of every day. When I used to walk into the hospital, his monitor used to face the door. So when I walked in, it would be the first thing that I saw. And when I walked in and I saw, okay, the lights are still flickering, it meant my baby's still alive. It was horrible because I witnessed so many babies die in that time that we were in hospital. (laughs) And I kept thinking, like, am I next? And we are like we are so blessed to have made it out. And some, even though they make it out, you might find a year after the fact the babies still don't make it because of this living circumstances. So I always preach to my mommies. I mean, when we got discharged, we went straight into isolation. I had no visitors. Nobody got mm-hmm. to see my baby when he came home. I had hand sanitizer at the door. Oh, yes. And still, I wouldn't <laughs> let them touch the baby. I was like, you're not touching my kid. That was me as well. Wash, wash, sanitize, look from afar. I promise you, my extended family only met my baby when he was seven months old. I believe you. Because I w- even till today, like I can spot a cold from a mm. mile away. And I still don't allow people to come close if I think that you're sick. Because I made a vow to myself the day I left hospital with my baby. Mm. I'm not going back there because he's ill. Do you know that my parents and my parents-in-law, they respect that so much. That we've got an understanding that if one of them have a cold, they're not allowed to come. And they get it. You are very fortunate because a lot of people don't. Mm. They see your child and they see a healthy child, but some scars of prematurity aren't visible. Mm. So I have some family members up until today that don't respect that rule. So till today they haven't touched my child and it's (laughs) fine. We'll keep it like that. It's okay. (laughs) At least you have your baby. Yes. What is your goal to reach through this organization that you've started, through this movement that you are running So Premier Connect is essentially a support group. And the end goal is for us to have support groups in all the hospitals. Because unfortunately, due to circumstances and understaff, there aren't psychologists available to everybody at hospital, and especially to premature parents. They only avail them to the ones that are very ill. But going through the NICU, whether your child is full-term or Premier, is already a traumatic experience in itself. And some people can deal with it well and others can't. And I feel like regardless, 
you will suffer some sort of trauma, some sort of PTSD mm. because of going through that. I know even now I walk into a hospital and especially if it has to do with my child, because I spend, I do spend quite a bit of time in hospital. But if I have to go in with my kid, I, I freeze mm. like I, I, I have a panic attack. Like my husband has to talk me down and like, you know, everything's going to be OK. It's not that big, mm. big of a deal, you know. So, like, I get it. I get it. Like, mentally, it messes you up. It really, really does. Because every day you're going in fighting for your child, asking your child to survive. And the unfortunate part about prematurity is that not everybody gets to go home. And we need that support for each other. I have, I've had a couple of mommies who I've given support to, who the babies have passed away and I feel like a part of me has died, you know, so I can only imagine how them as parents are feeling. I'm encouraged by how you are showing support through something that has happened to you. What is your wish for your unborn baby that you're carrying? To make it <laughs> 38 yeah. weeks. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's the goal. I... Wouldn't like to experience what I've experienced before, but at least now I'm more equipped to deal with it than I was the first time. If there's a mommy listening to this podcast and they're going through the same thing, what do you want to say to them? All I can say is that prematurity will change your life and fake it until you make it. I always tell my mommies to go into that I see you in a positive spirit, even if you don't feel positive. Like before you walk through that door, if you need to cry, if you need to scream, if you need to shout, mm -hmm. by all means do it. You have to get those emotions out. But once you walk through that door, all your baby needs to feel is that love and that positivity. And prayer. I always encourage my mom to pray together as a group because it says in a Bible where two or more are gathered, I will be there. And I've seen the power in prayer. I have seen it. And to just support each other, like be there for each other. Nobody knows what you're going through like those people that are there with you in this moment. They will end up being your soldiers in this journey. Well, you're a true soldier. And my wish for your unborn baby is that he makes it till 39 weeks <laughs> and that he shows his brothers up and that he does his best I want the best for your baby, just like I want Thanks the best for my you. children. Yeah. And that's all. As mothers, we just need to support each other. Mm. Support, support, support. I mean, I'm lucky that my network has grown and I'm part of an organization called Embrace, who is a movement for mothers who are trying to change the face of motherhood in South Africa. Mm. And they have supported me. In fact, they were the first platform to share my story. Mm -hmm. And we have just grown in leaps and bounds. And this year, World Prematurity Day, they'll be right alongside me, again, supporting all moms and premature moms especially. So I'm very grateful that I've been able to have a lot of support and I'm in turn able to give support back to other mommies. What can we do as moms, part of the network or not, it doesn't matter, on, on World Prematurity Day? Well, Premier Connect in their capacity, we are going back to some hospitals and giving back. I like to give out little goodie bags. So I must not lie, this year's sponsorships have been hard, but I understand financially everybody is just suffering. 
So I don't get in touch with us on our Facebook page. Willing, if you're willing to donate, we'll we, donate. We will come and collect we'll send stuff. You stuff. <laughs> Thank you. We'll find some stuff for you. <laughs> we can. We know lots of people. <laughs> How many goodie bags do you need? So, my uh, in my personal capacity, the hospital that I'm going to this year is Tela Mokharini Hospital. It's mm-hmm. a 71 bedded unit. Oh, please. So we'll find you some stuff. That's what we're doing. 71 bags for them this okay. year. We'll help you. Okay. That's awesome. Thank you so much. People always say, oh, baby brunch. I'm saying baby brunch is me, man. <laughs> I asked my husband for the cash. <laughs> you sound like me. <laughs> I'm like, honey, can I have, you know that holiday we were planning? Yeah, we're not going anymore. So can we, <laughs> so I'm going to ask him. And then when I send you stuff, it's baby brunch. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Connect with our mom, Tasman Bota, and you can find her on preemieconnect.org. Also on facebook.com forward slash preemieconnect. And you can find out how you can contribute and be a part. If you're a mom that wants to contribute to other moms and show your support, this is one way to do it. And perhaps you're a mom or a dad going yes. through struggles of having a prem baby. We want you to connect with them as well. And they will show their support through this as well. Thanks awesome. for your time Thank today. Thank you for having me. Anytime, anytime, anytime. <laughs>